0: I'm looking for the first kid that I see sitting up straight, hands on your feet, feet on your legs, big smile on your face, staring at this big fat nose. God gave it to me just for that reason and can say last week's what's up. What is it, Tanner? Don't raise your hand if you don't know it. Who's got it? What is it, Kira? Get up here. She, she said it, didn't she? Get up here, Kira. Come here. I got some bucks for you. Give Kira a hand. She said, I will let go of grudges and choose to forgive. In case you didn't know, this series, How to Ruin Your Life, we are doing it together as a church. Give Kira another hand. If you wonder what Bible bucks are for, Bible bucks are like the best thing in this church because we've got a kid's church buck store that is better than any Chuck E. Cheese store I've ever seen in my life, and so you want these bucks. All right, so also speaking of last week, can any first student that I see to in straight hands, lap, feet on your legs, big smile on their face, be big fat nose, raising their hand, that knows what Bible story we learned last week about holding on to grudges. Can anybody tell me what the Bible story was about? Who were the main characters? It was about somebody and their brothers. You remember that? Timothy, what is it? you got to remember the character. you got to remember the character. Who's the character? Who is it, Maya? What'd she say? Joseph, get up here, Maya. Give her a hand. We learned last week about holding on to grudges. Joseph and his brothers, they definitely, Joseph had a good reason to hold on to a grudge. Let's see if we can go back two weeks ago and see if anybody can remember what our Bible story was about. Two weeks ago when our theme was talking about do what feels good. Does anybody remember that one? All right, let's see. Oh, I see a hand way back there in the corner. What is it, Hattie? Adam and Eve, that was close. That was close. But that's a good guess. Let's see. Oh, there's another hand way over there. What was it two weeks ago? We learned about do what feels good. King David, that's right. Give her a hand. Get on up here, girl. Double bucks for you. And if there's any grown-ups that remember what Pastor Dennis preached on, you get, you get Bible bucks too. Yeah, give Lauren a big hand. Way to go. Oh, you got a Barbie, so here you need an extra buck for your Barbie. Good job. Way to go. When you bring Barbie to church, you never know what's going to happen. But hey, we have had a lot of fun with this series. I hope you adults have learned as much as the kids have learned. And that is our goal here at Crown Point Church is we want to see families being healthy. We want to see families growing in God and learning God's Word together. And so that's one of the major important reasons for Family Fifth today. So today we're going to look at a super cool Bible story. So get your Bibles, get your thumb in a couple different spots. The first one I want you to get it in is 1 Kings. We're going to be in chapter 3 in First Kings to start out, and then flip your finger back to Ecclesiastes. We're going to be in the book of Ecclesiastes, uh, chapter 2 and 5, and so keep your fingers in a couple different spots. But my question for you is this, as we get started today with this theme of, of talking about living for myself, you know, we, we a lot of times think about ourselves and we think, man, If only I had this in my life, it would change everything. If only I had that in my life, it would change everything. So my question for you is this, is what would you ask God for if you just had one request from him? One single request from God, what would you ask him for? Wow, that is a broad-ranging thing. You know, would you ask for a billion dollars? Would you ask for a superpower to read your parents' minds so you can be one step ahead of them all the time? Would you ask for, you know, to be the most famous actor in the world? What would you ask for? Think about it and think about why you would ask for that because that's important. As we're looking at today's Bible story, it is going to help teach us a very important lesson about what we do with what we have and how we use it is very very important. I like I like to quote old people. I like to quote people that, that really were wise beyond their years in their life. And Abraham Lincoln is definitely one of those. And I love this quote from Abraham Lincoln. It says, nearly all men can stand adversity. That's going through hard times. That's going through difficult times. Most people can, can measure up through that. But if you want to test a man or woman's character, give him power. Boy, you want to test a kid's character, you give him a little bit of power out on the playground. Oh boy, you put a vest on somebody and they're a hall monitor, oh boy, look out, I got the power now, sucker. you can't get past me, hold on. I mean, you give them a little bit of power and it just can go immediately to their heads. How many of you have ever seen that with somebody? It's like instantly they just went off of the ego chart of all ego charts and they're like power tripping for days, like, yep, I'm in charge and you're not. And so all of us have a little bit of that in us, and so we have to guard ourselves against that. And so as we look at 1 Kings chapter 3, we're going to look at a great, great character in the Bible that had great power, that had amazing giftings, that had amazing things that God had done for him, and it's King Solomon. King David was a great king, but King Solomon took things to the next level. And we see a lot about his life. We're going we're to kind of survey several different parts of, our, of his life in order to be able to get this story living for myself in. So turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 3. And Solomon, he obviously started off like a champ. He started off great. A lot of us can relate with somebody that started off well and it didn't end so well. Solomon loved the Lord and followed all the decrees of his father. 1 Kings chapter 3 verse 3. David, except... That Solomon too offered sacrifices and burned incense at the local places of worship. The most important of these places of worship was Gibeon. So the king went there and sacrificed 1,000 burn offerings. Okay, stop for a minute. That's a lot. In case you didn't calculate and figure out, a burn offering is a big deal. So 1,000 burnt offerings. Solomon was going all out. That night the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream and God said, What do you want? Ask and I will give it to you. Wow, what a request. What a question. What a opportunity for Solomon. I mean, he could ask for anything. God said anything. Anything means anything. What do you want and I will give it to you. Solomon chose wisely. Look at verse 9. Give me an understanding heart so that I can govern your people. Wow. What a request. Solomon could have asked for anything in the world and he asked for wisdom. He asked for a for a heart, an understanding heart that can govern God's people well and know the difference between right and wrong. For, for who by himself is able to govern this great people of yours, Solomon says to God. Wow, what a request. You know, when you think about all the different things that Solomon could have asked for, he could have asked for anything. He could have asked for the death of his enemies. He could have asked for, for more power than any king ever. He could have asked for more money than any king ever. But he asked God for wisdom. Verse nine says, "Give me an understanding heart." Verse ten says, "The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for wisdom." So God replied, "Because you have asked for wisdom in governing my people with justice, and have not asked for a long life, wealth, death of your enemies, I will give you what you asked for, but I will also give you a wise and understanding heart, such as no one, no one has ever had or ever will. And I will also give you what you did not ask for. I'll give you riches, fame. No other king in all the world will be compared to you for the rest of your life." And if you follow me, if you obey my decrees, if you obey my commands as your father David did, I will give you long life. So Solomon chose wisely. He, he could have asked for anything, but he asked for wisdom. Wow. And when you think about the things that we could ask for in our lives, a lot of times we think that we're hindered. A lot of times we think, I don't have a genie in the bottle that I could just get whatever I want. But we serve the God that created it all, that spoke it all into existence out of nothing. Sometimes we forget that we have such an incredible hook in heaven, that God is there for us. And so my my thoughts today kind of wrap up in the idea of Solomon and, and in us thinking that we are number one. Look at somebody and say, You're number one. You are number one. You know, look at this guy. This guy is definitely number one in my book. That's right. If you can you can't clap for anything, you can clap for the chiefs in Jesus' name. That's right. Pray for them tomorrow night. The Broncos always seem to show up whenever we have to play them. But, man, this is the guy we've been hoping for my whole life. Three games into it, he is a stud. He is a superstar. But we'll see what he does with it, won't we? We'll see how he finishes. We'll see if, he's, if he finishes as strong as he started. But Solomon was kind of like that. Solomon started off like a champ. Started off 3-0, and setting records, breaking records, tearing things up, making things happen. And Solomon had a choice to make how he was going to continue to follow through with that. Let's dive into our text. I love this text in 1 Kings chapter chapter 10. Every time I look at text in the Bible, I look for words and phrases that stand out. And so the first one of those is that God had given him. The thing that we have to remember that we have giftings, we have abilities. We did a series on that not too long ago about being gifted for God. And that that gifting is something that God has given us, that we didn't do anything to deserve it. It's something he's done for us. He's given it to us. And so Solomon had been given an incredible gift by God. Look at 1 Kings chapter 10 with me. Flip a few chapters back and it says, So King Solomon became richer and wiser than any other king on earth. People from every nation came to consult him, to hear the wisdom God had given him. It would have been real easy for Solomon to take all the credit for it. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been in that situation where you did something good and you're like, uh, wasn't my idea, but thank you. Usually you're just like, oh, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Hold the applause for later. But a lot of times that's a test of your character to see how you're going to respond, whether you give people credit. God had given Solomon this wisdom. Year after year, people continued to come and visit him, brought him gifts of silver, gold, clothing, weapons, spices. Dude, the guy had the hookup. He had a huge force of chariots, verse 26 tells us, 1,400 chariots, 12,000 horses. He stationed some of them in cities in Jerusalem. He had made silver as plentiful in Jerusalem as stone. Okay, that's, that's crazy. I mean, think about like, that'd be like taking concrete and saying, all right, I mean, concrete's pretty high dollar stuff. You ever tried to pave a a sidewalk in front of your house or a driveway? Big money. Solomon was able to take silver and make it as plentiful as rock and stone. Wow. Dude had it going on, had some money. Solomon's horses were imported from Egypt, from Sassi. The king's traders acquired all at the standard price chariots from Egypt, 600 pieces of silver. I mean, the guy had all kinds of money. He had all kinds of stuff. He had all kinds of things going on. But the thing is, is all the while this prosperity was happening, all the while these great things were going on for Solomon, there was a lingering voice in the back of his mind. There was a lingering voice in the back of the minds of the people that, that knew God's word. Deuteronomy 17 pointed to what the kings should do. And it says there that the king must not build up large stable of horses for himself, or send his people to Egypt to buy horses. This is a direct command. He must not, not send his people to Egypt to buy horses. The Lord has told you, you must not ever return to Egypt. The king must not take many wives for himself because they will turn his heart from the Lord. He must not accumulate large amounts of wealth and silver and gold for himself. Solomon had been granted an incredible gift of wisdom, of wisdom, of an understanding heart. He, he could have asked for anything. And God gave it to him, but what he did with it, he wasn't careful. You see, there's a danger. The principle that I want you to take away from this first part of this look at Solomon's life is that there is danger in being number one. There is danger in rising to a level of success. I'm not saying that success is bad. I'm not saying that it's not a a good thing to to accumulate wealth, to to do well for yourself, to, to have accomplishments. In fact, I'm saying it's great that Patrick Mahomes has won three games and 3 0, and, and they're going to be 4 0. I better have better head and prophesy. Y'all will be calling me a false prophet, won't you? I hope they win tomorrow night on Monday night. You know, it's, it's like what you do with all of that is up to you. Solomon knew God's word. If he didn't know it, priests were telling him all the time. They were reading it to him, they were encouraging him. He got to the point, though, with his great wisdom, with his great ability, with what God had blessed him with. And he felt like he was above the law. That's the obvious answer. The obvious answer to why he reacted the way that he did is he did not see the danger in being number one. He did not watch closely about the warning signs of getting too big for your britches. The second phrase that I want you to pull out in this next portion in 1 Kings chapter 11 is that his heart had turned away. What was the warning in Deuteronomy? It said exactly that, said that if, if if you do these things, you're going to be putting yourself in a situation of being in trouble. I've I've used the acronym for a long, long time. Remember this with me, HALT. Hungry, angry, lonely, tired. When you're in a position of being hungry, being angry, being lonely, being tired, you may think to yourself, why would Solomon be any of that? Man, leadership can be lonely. Leadership can be exhausting. Exhausting. You think about the responsibilities that he's had with this great kingdom that grew to the biggest level ever in the history of the nation of Israel, by the way. Solomon's borders extended forever, and it just got bigger and bigger and more incredible and more amazing, and and he felt like he had to continue to see that rolling and moving and going forward, and so he was warned, be careful. Don't let your heart be turned away. Look at, look at verse 1 of 1 Kings chapter 11. Now King Solomon loved many foreign women besides Pharaoh's daughter. He married women from Moab, Ammon, Edom, Sidon, from among the Hittites. The Lord had clearly instructed the people of Israel, you must not marry them because they will turn your hearts to their gods. Yet Solomon insisted on loving them anyway. Look at that picture. I mean, I, I love this picture of Solomon here hanging out with his, with his wives. I think we've got the card. Yeah, I mean, check it out. He had it going on. He had wives from all over the place. And why he wanted wives from all over the place, I have no idea. I honestly, I, I have one wonderful wife. And the thought of trying to keep two wonderful wives or three wonderful wives or four wonderful wives happy is exhausting. No way, it's crowded, it's too, too many people, no way, but Solomon, I, I really think that the why behind why he kept getting more and more wise, why he kept getting more and more wealth, because he could, because there was nobody there to say, uh, wait a minute, buddy, you ought to stop and think before you do this, before you go on over to Moab, before you go on over to, to Egypt, before you go on over here and get yourself another wife, chillax, bro, you got Enough. But nobody was bold enough or willing to step up and warn him, and he got the big head. His heart had been turned away. Wow, and I love what it says in verse 4. In Solomon's old age, they turned his heart to worship other gods instead of being completely faithful to the Lord his God. His father, David, had been. Wow. Look at verse 9 in chapter 11. It says, the Lord was very angry with Solomon for his heart had turned away. He didn't listen to great, sound advice. He, instead of living for others, living selflessly, he lived selfishly. He continued to give himself more because he could. He continued to take more because he could. He continued to add more and more and more because he could. And you think to yourself, man, I don't have the ability to keep getting more and more and more. We're all a little bit like that. We're all a little bit like that to the certain extent that when we get something that we think is going to satisfy us, fulfill us, make us feel easy, at peace, with joy, with whatever in our heart, whatever that, that hole that's in our heart that we think we're filling it with something, we think, okay, a little's good. A lot would be better. Do you know the example that I have of that? I have a choice every day to make whether to do one scoop or two scoops of ice cream. Do you know what I do most days? I do two. Two. Because one is good, two is better. I I like chocolates and peanuts on my ice cream because that is God's gift to man when it comes to a peanut butter, peanut butter parfait is, is God's gift to man. And so rather than just one little measly scoop in a big bowl, I mean, of course I could use a smaller bowl, but nah, one would be good, but two is better. That's our mindset. One piece of cake, oh yeah, no, I don't need more. Willpower is a hard thing to come by. I'm not saying you shouldn't seek it. Not shouldn't say you wouldn't want it. Did you realize self-control is one of the fruits of the Spirit? The ting I went from preaching to meddling right there. Yes, you can have self-control. The Holy Spirit can help you with that. So tonight, God, in front of these witnesses, I'm going to have one scoop of ice cream. <laughs> My wife will tell me. <laughs> we'll tell you guys whether I did or not. So. But that's kind of our our wire. That's how we're doing it. Solomon isn't a whole lot different from the rest of us. His heart had turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice. He'd warned Solomon specifically about worshiping other gods, verse 10 says. But Solomon did not listen to the Lord's command. His heart had turned away. So the Lord said to him, since you've not kept my covenant, you've disobeyed my decrees, I will surely tear the kingdom away from you, give it to one of your servants. Principle you need to pull away from that is that putting myself first, that's just plain and simply called selfishness. We are blessed in this country that we live in, in this society that we live in, in the time and the age that we live in. Guys, the the, the amenities and the things that we have available to us in 21st century America, we live better than most of the people on the planet ever in the history of the planet. The average middle class person in America, the poor in America live better Than most of the people on the planet. What are we doing with that great blessing? You may think to yourself, I'm not rich and wise and all this crazy stuff like Solomon. What you have available to you is more than most people on the planet have ever had available to them. What do we do with that? Are we selfless or are we selfish? Living for myself, putting myself first, is plain and simple selfishness. Flip back with me to Ecclesiastes. We're going to look at chapter two because Solomon, again, he started off really strong. He started off really well. He started off like a champ, and then he started adding more and more things. He started getting more and more things, and his heart turned away from God. The phrase that I want you to pull away from Solomon's reflection on life near the end of his life was never have enough. You may think, well, if I just get that. I'll be satisfied. If I just get this accomplishment, I'll be satisfied. If I just get this degree, if I just get this job, if I just have this many kids, if our, if our house is just in this neighborhood, if I just have this car, if I just have this thing, this toy, this boat, this whatever, then I'm going to have enough. And I can step back and say, I have arrived. Solomon never had enough. His life continued to show that no matter how much he got, no matter how much he pursued, it just left him feeling empty because he was using that to bring him joy, peace, fulfillment, satisfaction. God alone can do that for us. But when we try to let the things of this world, which I'm not saying are bad, not saying they're bad at all. I mean, I want the Chiefs to win the Super Bowl this year and I want them to win next year. And I want them to win the year after that. I want, them to get, I, want them to, I want those chiefs to have so many rings that they don't have enough fingers for it. That's just me because I am a chiefs fan and have been since I was born. And I've been looking forward to that my whole life. It's going to happen. But that's the mindset. No matter how much, it's never enough. Look at Solomon's thoughts near the end of his life. Ecclesiastes chapter 2 verse 9 says, So I became greater than all who lived in Jerusalem. Wow. Before me and my wisdom never failed. Anything I wanted I would take. I denied myself no pleasure. I found great pleasure in hard work, reward for all my labors. But as I looked at everything I had worked for, so hard to accomplish, it was all meaningless. Like chasing the wind. There was nothing really worthwhile anywhere. Ecclesiastes 5 says, those who love money will never have enough. How meaningless to think that wealth brings true happiness. The more you have, the more people will come to help you spend it. So what good is wealth except perhaps to watch it slipping through your fingers? People who worked hard sleep well, whether they eat little or much, but rich seldom get a good night's sleep. principle to take away from that is that living for myself is meaningless. It may feel good for a little while. We learned about that with David, that that he did what felt good, and it led to a horrible catastrophe in his life and in his kingdom. But living for ourselves, while it may seem great at first, in the end is going to leave us meaningless. You know as I as I look at Solomon's life and what we can take away from it it points forward to what Jesus modeled for us and led for us. And so I want to look at Matthew chapter 20 with you as we close this out. This is a great verse and I want everyone to stand and I want to read this this last verse of Matthew chapter 20 verse 25 through 28. So if you could put that slide up on screen for me. I want everyone to read this together because Jesus really summed up it extremely well for us how we need to live, what we need to pursue in our lives. So let's all say this together. But Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first among you, you must become your slave. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. My challenge for you is this. As we exit today, we're going to pray together. But our challenge needs to be that I must follow Jesus' example and put others first. We have a choice every day whether we're going to be selfish or selfless. We have a choice every day whether we're going to put ourselves first or put others first. God has called us as the, as the body of Christ to be different, to stand out, to look different. And if the only way you can look different to people is selfless versus selfish, you're going to be showing the world what Jesus showed them. Would you repeat this prayer after me? Say, Dear God, thank you for all that you've done for me. I love you so much. I'm so thankful, Jesus, that you died on the cross for me. You gave your life as a ransom, a payment for mine. Now I want to follow you. I want to live for you. I want to show the world your love. Help me today, God to be selfless. You showed me how to do that. Now help me to do it. I don't want to live a selfish life. I don't want to have perspective at the end of life that I chased after everything meaningless. I want to chase after you, what you want in my life and what you want me to do for you. God, I pray that you bless us all, every family, every person. Help us to show the world Jesus. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen, amen, amen. amen. Give three people a high five and give Jesus a big hand.